This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Jeannie Walters. Jeannie is the global keynote speaker, trainer, and workshop leader. CEO and Chief Experience, or Customer Experience Investigator at Experience Investigators, Forbes Contributor and LinkedIn Learning Author and Instructor. Welcome to the podcast, Jeannie. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, that was a tongue twister. It almost got me. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I always ask everybody at the very beginning of a podcast, uh, what's one thing people might not know about you? Uh, one thing that they might not know about me is that I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to go to Medellin, Colombia, which is in South America. Mm-hmm. And why I like to tell this story is because the reason I got to go there <laughs> is because uh, I was participating in a group and there were four guys and me and the opportunity came to all of us and the four guys basically all said, no way, I'm not going to Medellin. It's too scary. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to (laughs) go. So I did. It was my favorite. I think it's my favorite business trip ever. It's uh, they just treated me so well and it was Mm. such a unique experience. And yeah, I loved it. I spoke at a university there that is focused on business and seeing what they're doing in education. It was just, it was an amazing, amazing trip. So that's something that I love to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. So the, so the lesson learned was um, just because it sounds scary or maybe it's outside your comfort zone, maybe take that extra step. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the best stuff happens, right? Like when you go outside of that feeling of, Oh, I know what I'm doing. That's when cool stuff happens. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very cool. So uh, the main topic today that I want to talk about, and, and I love that you have a LinkedIn learning class on it, um, is uh, service blueprinting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so before we get started, um, people might not know uh, what that is. So maybe explain what service blueprinting is. Sure. Yeah, a lot of people are familiar with customer journey mapping, which I'm also a big fan of. Uh, and journey mapping is a way to really explore what's happening with your customers today that you might not know about. Surface blueprinting is kind of the the next natural step to that. So once you have identified what your ideal journey is, instead of just talking about here's how it should be, service blueprinting takes you one step further to figure out what are the processes and the systems and the employee behaviors and actions that we need in order to deliver on this ideal customer journey. So instead of just that, what we call on stage or front stage view of what happens with the customer, service blueprinting goes a step further to the backstage activity mm-hmm. and, and helps everybody figure out, all right, if we want this to happen, what does that really mean? You know, <laughs> what do we have to do as an organization to make that actually happen? Yeah. So you get the ability to kind of pull back that curtain and take a peek back behind the, where all the, where all the stuff happens. That's right. 
That's right. And, and now we live in a world that is so focused on technology. We have so many systems in place. We have to really think about this before we just go out and say, you know, hey, we're going to offer mobile ordering for everybody. And if we don't think about that backstage stuff, then we can create more issues for customers instead of creating that ideal journey for them. Yeah. So instead of faking it, what are the goals of customer service blueprinting? <laughs> instead of faking it, is that what you said? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah the goals are really figuring out um, before we execute this, what really needs to happen. And so you drill down under what's called the line of interaction. So the customer might not have any clue, right? That, I mean, take a very simple process. Take something like if you take credit cards in a store. Well, to the customer, they just know it goes through the zippy thing or they stick it in the box and it gets approved. But of course, there's a whole back end layer there that you need to make sure is working that, you know, it takes a minute to hit the processing to all of those things. Now, as a customer experience professional, I don't know how any of that really works, but I know that we have to account for it in our experience design. And that's where service blueprinting can be so, so effective because you look beyond that that layer of interaction and figure out what are the actual things that need to happen on the backstage. And sometimes that's very simple. Sometimes that's about, you know, organizing the, uh, the stock room better, right? Like that can be a backstage action because then when, when employees say, let me go get that for you, they know where to find things. It can also be super complex and all about how to layer your different, uh, you know, databases and how do you centralize customer information and all those things. Those are all backstage actions. And that's what the goal of service blueprinting is, is to help everybody kind of think through those processes before you're executing in front of the customer and realizing, oh, I, I'm going to go get that for you in the stock room, but I have no idea where that is. And it's going to take me 15 minutes, you know, right. like all of those things. Yeah. And, and, and you might have the product, but you have no idea where it's at. You could say mm -hmm. in stock, you have three, four or five products, but you go back there and you're you're trying to uh, pretend that you've searched for everywhere and you know exactly where it should be, but that's right. reality, it's the, it's the hot mess in the background. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the one thing that I uh, will now start calling um, the, uh, the machines are the little zippy things. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that doohickeys. My... <laughs> I also am a fan of <laughs> doohickeys and widgets and doodads. <laughs> this, I've learned so much already. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> So uh, if somebody would want to get started building a customer service blueprint, how would mm -hmm. they go about getting started? Well, I always like to start with the customer, right? So you mm -hmm. start with, you know, what is the ideal experience that we want to deliver? And you essentially map that out as the front stage actions. And then the way I think about it, it's a little more organic. You can, you know, you mentioned I've got that um, course on LinkedIn learning where we go into great detail. But if you just want like to really think about service blueprinting and how to do it, think about literally one step at a time. So almost like you're a geologist, you know, like you're going from the top all and drilling down into what's beneath the surface. So if you are um, mapping out a customer journey, usually there are some interaction points with either employees or technology, right? So if somebody is, let's take grocery ordering because we're all doing that these days. So they might 
have to interact with that digital experience first. So what does that look like? And, and what's behind the surface there? Well, then you've got all the processes and systems and everything that you have. What if they run into issues there and they use the chatbot? Who is behind that? Uh, is it AI? Is it an actual person? What does all that look like? Yeah. Well, then they have to go to the grocery store and pick up their groceries. Well, somebody has to put those groceries together. So that's an employee behavior that they don't see. But then you come back, like if you think about the journey, then you come kind of back up to the surface because somebody has to walk out of the store and give them their groceries. Well, how do they know which one is theirs? How do they know, how, how do they alert the store? All of those questions, those are the types of things that you drill into and think, okay, now that the customer is going to tell us they're here, how do we tell the customer how to do that? And then who's answering that phone, right? <laughs> like all of these simple things that can throw a wrench in a customer experience. That's what you really dig into with service blueprinting. Yeah. And, and then there's no ideal um, scenario. So in that scenario that you just talked about, what happens if you have three of the wrong groceries or you paid double or you got instead of a quarter of a pound of meat, you got a 1.25 pounds that they charge you for, but you still only got a quarter of a pound. So mm -hmm. there's all of these scenarios. That it's not just like, Hey, do these 10 things and it's going to be amazing. Right. Right. That's a great point. And one of the things I always like to say, whether it's journey mapping or, or service blueprinting or anything is think about your worst customer on their worst day, <laughs> because those people will actually enlighten you more than the people who we tend to design around, which are our ideal customers who love us. Mm -hmm. And I've been to so many organizations and one of the things they all say to me is, no, 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 we're different. Our customers, they love us. And we love to kind of zero in on the customers who do love us. But if we think about those customers who are having a really bad day and then exactly what you said, Nick, like mm -hmm. what if the order is wrong? What if they're overcharged? We have to figure out all of those pitfalls and how we're going to handle that because otherwise that can be a, a mess unto itself, right? Somebody calls the store and then suddenly they're talking to one manager and another manager and it's, it's a mess. And so thinking through all of those things, it just, it's a thoughtful way to put customers first, in my opinion. Yeah. And it doesn't make the, the effort that it, you increase effort uh, to hopefully decrease effort for the customer. That's right. That's exactly right. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's, we, we already touched on the, the front stage actions and, and the backstage actions. And, and, you know, if there's anything else you want to say about that, uh, feel free. But, you know, one question I had based off of what you just said is, what's the risk? And, and maybe you, you've touched on a little bit, but what's the risk of not putting that customer first and bringing them back into that a customer service blueprint? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And I think it's one that we don't often think about. Um, we see, and customer experience in general is often talked about as a positive, a nice thing to have, mm. but we don't often kind of flip the coin and look at the other side and say, what are the risks of not paying attention here? And the risks are pretty big. I mean, think about how, how many customers suddenly in 2020 had to rely on brands in totally new ways right? People who had never thought about ordering their groceries online, people mm -hmm. who had never um, ordered shoes for their kids outside of a shoe store, but suddenly they had to figure out how to measure their kids' feet at home. You know, like all of these weird things 
that were just accepted as status quo, mm -hmm. suddenly in 2020, brands had to figure out how do we do this? How do we deliver in a totally different way? And I think if we don't pay attention, if we don't really think about what is this like for the customer, then we're at risk of designing processes that we think are great and that customers are, they might use it once and think this is not worth it for me. I'm not putting in this effort again, especially when your competitor over here has something better. Um, I think that we sometimes tell ourselves lies or um, nice, you know, tall tales about our customers. And one of them is what I said, that they always love us. And the other thing I hear a lot is people come up to me and they say, no, our customers are so loyal. And it reminds me of, you know, I've heard everything from our customers are never going to use mobile phones, right? <laughs> like those aren't our customers uh, or they, they're never going to order online or any of these things, but people are loyal until they're not. And the reason that it's so dramatic like that is because you serve them to a point, but if you're not keeping up with their actual needs and if you're not delivering in a way that is reducing their effort and making it more convenient and respecting their time then they're going to find someone who does. And that's where I think the power of service blueprinting, the power of journey mapping, the power of just let's always think about our customer. I mean, that mindset, that is really where we can deliver the best experience, not just for our customers, but for our brand, for our company. Yeah. That's where we get the results. Yeah. And, and when it comes to that, so let's say that somebody's built out this customer service blueprint and, and has all the scenarios figured out or in theory, all the scenarios mm -hmm. figured out. And um, what happens after that? Great question. And I'm so glad you brought it up because the blueprint is not just like, you know, the, the dream house blueprint that you just like frame on your right. wall and you think someday, uh, no, it's a tool. And the whole idea is to think through what do we need? What are the challenges? What are the limitations? Um, I've seen blueprints where we look at them and we think, oh man, we have to train 30,000 employees to behave differently. Hmm. That's not going to happen overnight. And so what you need to do is come up kind of with a plan for each of those action steps that you want to create. But the, the other, the honest truth around that is that sometimes that means, okay, we need a short-term, mid-term, long-term to get to that level of 30,000 employees or to roll out new technology or whatever it is. And we have to keep in mind that sometimes those limitations, we can't, we can't overcome them, right? And so what are the workarounds? What are the creative ways that we can adjust these backend processes, systems, and behaviors so that we can still deliver a great customer experience? So the blueprint is really a tool to think through all of those things. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have to include not only customers in the service blueprint, but employees. We have to make sure that the employees who are part of this really understand what the goal is. Because if we just come out and say, hey, everybody, we needed you to change all of your behavior that's been working fine, <laughs> right? Like, we're going to give you new technology, we're going to force you into new processes, and we're going to ask you to behave differently and like it. Mm. Um, that does not work. If we include employees in this process, they have wonderful ideas and we won't miss something super obvious. And one of the stories that I think is amazing is, you know, Walmart rolled out, uh, 
um, automatic payment, you know, with their app a few mm -hmm. years ago. And it was working great. They did all these pilots with customers. They forgot to include cashiers in the process. So one of the first places that they piloted it, these customers would come up with their carts and say, well, I paid for all this. And the cashier had no way of knowing <laughs> if they paid for it or not. And they had no way of checking. And so they quickly you know, pivoted and included the cashiers and got tons of great ideas. It's a great example of how easily something like that can happen because you think you've checked all the boxes mm -hmm. and it's such a simple thing that of course, how would the cashiers know that? And people were showing apps that they had never seen. So I think that's what the power is here. It's about avoiding those missteps and it's about including everybody in the process so that you really get the best experience for not only the customers, but employees too. Yeah, it's amazing to me that inside that story, an organization the size of Walmart can forget the cashier. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I, I think like you said, it include everyone. So it's not just the cashier, but just like all of customer experience initiatives, you need to include the stakeholders too. Yep. So how important is that to buy, get them to buy into that customer service blueprint to move forward? Yeah, well, I found that blueprinting is a great way to really highlight, this is why we need these resources. Because you can show two different blueprints. You can say, you know what, if we don't upgrade our systems or if we don't hire more employees or whatever the investment is that we need to make, these are all the steps that we have to go through. And I think, you know, I used to notice this in um, certain hospitality chains. I would go and as a, a patron of many hotels for a while, <laughs> just because I was traveling so much, mm -hmm. um, there were certain hotel chains where I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe they have not updated their technology. I mean, these poor frontline workers were using green screens from like 1988 wow. and they had to go through all these hoops just so that I could buy a granola bar from the little store, you know, like there were, there were so many things like that where I was like, I wonder what's stopping them from just saying we need to do this. And I think that we sometimes don't think about that type of experience as a customer experience because I'm not supposed to see the green screen, right? Like that's not for me, the customer, but I can certainly see the employee struggle. I can certainly see that this is taking longer than it should, all of these things. And so that's another thing that service blueprinting can do. It can get your leaders kind of on board with, you know what? Yeah, we could make the employees jump through all these hoops, but it's having an impact on the customer experience. And if we invested in a certain way, look at what we could do. Look yeah. at, you know, how we could jump forward with yeah. our customer experience. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, no, and I totally agree. You know, when it comes to customer service too, it's the same thing. It's, um, you know, what's the on average? It's like 
between 12 and 14 applications that um, call center representatives have to interact with yep. on one conversation. And so they're not really present. Mm-hmm. They, they are there. Uh, they are humming and hawing. They're asking questions about the weather in Seattle. Right. <laughs> uh, but they're not really there. They're not present and actively listening to the conversation mm-hmm. to have provide empathy if needed or guidance or asking that additional question to solve it the first time. And so there's so many things that you can do, um, which customer service blueprint would help in that, yep. in that process. That's a great point. And I think that the idea that we are like, there's so much research out there, right? That says like multitasking is impossible. Your brain can't do two things at once. And yet we're kind of forcing all these people into faking it. Like, no, you've got to, you've got to ask about the weather. You've got to hear about this. I mean, as customers, we get trained then to figure out, is this call going to work for me or not? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've been this person where you think, okay, I'll just call back, try another one, try another mm-hmm. one, try another one. Mm-hmm. And it's not their fault. It's exactly what you're talking about. They have to dig through so many different processes and systems and sometimes don't have access to the information that they need. Yeah. And that's what service blueprinting can really kind of pull back the curtain on too, is what are we really asking our people to do mm-hmm. in order to deliver for the customer? Yeah. No, and, and so when it comes to getting started, and let's say I'm brand new and I've already done a journey map prior, um, what kind of supplies are needed or, or goodies to get started uh, to building a customer service blueprint? Well, I mean, you can do it the old-fashioned way, which is uh, uh, either a whiteboard or you know paper or, or post-its and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I like to literally just draw that line of interaction first. And that's above that is where you interact with the customers. Below that isn't. I put employees, systems, processes as as different uh, rows on it underneath that line. And then you just start kind of brainstorming, very similar to a journey map situation. The only difference, or not the only difference, but one of the big differences is if I'm running a journey mapping workshop, I'm constantly saying to everybody like, it's not marketing to the customer. Like we have to put it into the customer's perspective all the time for journey mapping. So mm-hmm. marketing doesn't send anything. Actually, what happens is I, the customer, receives something, right? That's the trick. With service blueprinting, you start there with the customer and then you say, okay, who sends that out? <laughs> is that marketing? <laughs> and you put that on there. So it's like you're, you're dealing with two different um, sides of the same coin. And so I like post-it notes and all those good things. And then uh, in today's world, you know, we're all virtual. You can do this virtually as well. You can, um, and I've also done this asynchronously. So meaning that instead of just doing this in a workshop or with a meeting or that type of thing, you basically go around and investigate, which, you know, that's why I call my company Experience Investigators because so much of what we do is figuring out how do I find this? Where do I find this? And you go to the people in charge and you say, my understanding is this is what happens with the process. Is that accurate? Tell mm-hmm. me what happens when the, um, when the customer returns something. You know, Tell me what happens when we have somebody call in the store. Tell me what happens. And once you figure all of that out, that can really fill in that backstage information. Yeah. I'm really intrigued by that because how often are you going through these customer service blueprints 
And you're asking those diving questions of the, the, the second, third, peeling back that onion. Mm-hmm. And they look over to their associate and saying, I, oh. I don't know. <laughs> I, and they're like, go ask, go ask Jeannie. She's back there in the corner. She's been there for 16 years and she knows what happens next. Yep. But it's not yep. documented. Yep. It's one of my favorite parts, honestly, <laughs> uh, because just like with so many other things we do, you know, I think about how I often start with executive teams and, and say, okay, so what's your customer experience mission? And you can like hear the crickets and the fidgeting. And then I'm like, yes, we're going we're gonna to do <laughs> really cool stuff here because we're going to create this. We're going to dig in. And the same thing can happen with service blueprinting, where when I ask those questions, the there are two things that happen. One is they all, yeah, they all say like, Fred is the guy, just go talk to Fred, especially sales departments. For some reason, everybody has that one guy who mm-hmm. understands the system <laughs> like, um, and they just rely on him. But the other thing that can happen is that they, they all know it's bad form, right? Like they say, oh, this system is awful. Uh, it's a ter- oh, it's terrible for the customer. We've hated this forever. And you start asking around and nobody knows why it's like that. Nobody knows why, but nobody knows who can change it either. Mm -hmm. And so the blueprint allows you, it kind of empowers you to go up to leadership and say, hey, you know, everybody hates the green screens that we use, right? Like everybody hates them. We all agree it's terrible for the customer. We don't know who's in charge. IT tells me they're not in charge. This group tells me they're not in charge of changing it we need to change it. (laughs) Like just, and it helps you kind of make your case, but Mm -hmm. you're totally right. That part of it is exposing not only what we don't know, but also the things we do know and we're tolerating for no other reason, except it's the way things have been done. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Um, And I I probably have another 20 questions on that, but uh, that's (laughs) for a different time. But uh, when it comes to customer service blueprinting, um, and I'm sure that there's, um, who's, who's typically in, at the table there or on the, the one day or, or multiple day, mm-hmm. um, um, session or workshop. Well, I mean, this is the classic answer, right? But it depends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yes. part of it is <laughs> yes. And, hmm. um, part of it is that the service blueprint is usually a little more magnified than like a full-on customer journey map because you're looking at one area to really dig into and figure out how do we deliver this. Mm. So if, if, you know, there's the example that I use in uh, the LinkedIn course that you mentioned is about a jewelry store and trying to figure out how to do, um, how to have people be able to order online and then pick it up. Mm-hmm. And that's such a specific thing. That's not about every single customer that walks into the store. That's about a specific group. So you have to kind of think of who's involved there. Well, technology is involved there, but also the people who work in the store are involved there. The parking lot is involved because we have to think about where are these people going to park? Do we make a special place for them? All those things. So that's how I like to think about it is kind of brainstorm on who should be there Because if we're focused on solving a specific issue or improving a specific part of the the journey, then you start really thinking about who needs to be there. Um, 
And then I, I also like to expand that a little bit because I found that sometimes we get into this and we think, oh, you know what, what happens right before this is also really important or what happens right after this. So I tend to blur the edges a little bit with who's in the room because yeah. I think that sometimes they can add a lot of valuable contributions um, instead of trying to track those people down, you know, but it's a, yeah. uh, it, it, it's really about the leadership who can make the changes and the people who are already involved who can inform your decisions. So that's, that's why the cashier's example is such a good one because they probably had all the leadership they needed to make those changes, but the cashiers are the ones who really are on the ground and understand the experience more. And so you need to, you need to make sure both those groups are really represented. Hmm. And I'm sure that inside that workshop, there are different business units or organizations um, where they come in at a different senior level or, or entry level. And they're like, why am I here? Like, why does this really matter? You know, I, I got a plenty of other stuff to do. So how do you set clear expectations when people are there? That's a great question too. The, the first thing I do is I like to participate in the invitation process. And what I mean by that is sometimes I'm working with a chief customer officer or a VP of marketing or somebody directly one-on-one -on -one, and we decide to do this together. And then they say, well, I'll just, I'll just tell everybody to be there. And I like to invite people into the process. And sometimes the way I do that is actually through interviews. So I start with interviews and I reach out and I say, you know, we're working on this. I want to know what you want to get out of this. I want to know what would help you the most. Mm -hmm. And once we have that, that helps everybody feel a little more engaged in the process. And then every workshop I do, no matter what it is, journey mapping or the CX mission stuff or anything, I also think it's really important in those workshops to explain like, you are not there because people did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. You're not there to place blame on different departments. You're there because you're all invested in doing what's right for the customer. And how amazing is that, right? Like mm -hmm. how, how often in corporate America or wherever we work, do we get an opportunity to really collaborate for one goal like that? Yeah. And so I stress that and that really helps everybody kind of realize that this isn't about the one department or the one person. This is about something bigger. Yeah. And it's a big deal that they're at the table mm -hmm. uh, and it's a huge responsibility. So be purposeful and take the time and, and don't, don't check your phone or social media or everything else. Mm -hmm. Like almost do, uh, I don't remember what, what company does it, but where they, at every boardroom, they, they make sure they have a lockbox outside the room and they, they have it. Yep. Everybody put it away and it's on mute or whatever, but yep. Yep. Um, take that time and, and, and um, invest in it because your customers are investing in you. That's right. That's right. Um, That's a great way to say it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wrap up every, um, and I could talk about this for another uh, hour and a half, but um, people will stop listening. So we'll, <laughs> we'll have to not do that. But I wrap up every podcast with two questions to the guest. And so the first question is, is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? Mm -hmm. And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all the customer service or customer experience professionals, and it would hit everybody's desk 8am on Monday, what would it say? Well, the first question about uh, inspiration, there are, I, I always feel like, oh my gosh, there are so many, right? But um, I've really been influenced this last year specifically by Brene Brown and her writing. 
and I've, I've, I've read her for a while, but this year I, um, I've been listening to her audiobooks a little bit. And one of the things I really appreciate that she says that I think is very valuable in the work we do is this idea of rumble. You know, she talks about you sometimes need to rumble with one another, meaning that it's respectful, Mm -hmm. but some form of conflict sometimes is good where you, you stand up and you say, I'm having an issue with this, or I think I believe this or whatever. And I think that sometimes in customer experience work, we don't have an opportunity to really allow everybody at the table to feel like they can rumble. And I think there's, there's something to that that is really important. And so that's been inspiring to me. Um, And then the note about you know, to everybody in this field, I think, I think that we have to remember that customers are people with families and with jobs and with contributions to the world. And our work helps them bring those contributions forward. Mm. And that's pretty amazing. And we can't ever lose sight of that. It's a very good reminder. Um, very cool. What's the best way for people want to learn more? Maybe uh, listen to your LinkedIn learning course, or mm-hmm. get a hold of you to do a deeper dive on customer service blueprinting, or just want to uh, chat with you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. Yeah. Well, our website is experienceinvestigators.com, and there are tons of resources there. We have uh, some downloadables. We have blogs. I have. I do a weekly webinar now on LinkedIn and. Um, we have all sorts of things. And then if you, um, if you reach out to me, there's a way I can give you 30 days free on LinkedIn learning. And so that's a good way if you don't have a membership to check those things out, because all the courses are short. (laughs) So you can, you can knock them out in 30 days. (laughs) Yeah. And and they're, they're digestible, Um, Mm -hmm. meaning they're not just something that you have to do, but it's a choice and the continued education uh, with LinkedIn Learning, I think they do a great, great job, and and uh, yours is no exception. So thank you, um, thank you so much for taking the time and, and joining uh, joining me as a guest. It's been an honor, and and I really enjoyed learning more about customer service blueprinting. Thank you so much. It was a thrill to be here, Nick. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to press1fornick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.